August 24, 2023. My name is Jaron Jackson. I do love America. For me, it's always about the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Believe in the power of God's salvation. Amen. Psalm 27, verse 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I believe that we are in a time, obviously, of waiting on the Lord. I believe that our politics today is clearly the corruption, the abuse of the tyrants against the people that don't deserve it. And instead of actually having justice or any kind of modicum of truth in government, I think it's all lie and I think it's all rampant corruption. Now, of course, I will try to make my case, but I think at this point it's pretty self-evident. We'll cover about, you know, briefly the Republican debate last night. We'll briefly cover about President Trump with Tucker Carlson. But the point that I want to get at is that I believe that we are in a time, it's like that Oliver Anthony song, it's we're in the time when people are recognizing that things are bad. And my question is, I wonder how long it's going to take for people to get on their face to repent and turn to God. So our politics is going to be that of corrupt government. It's going to be where if you are not in the regime, if you are not saying what the party line is, if you dare speak what you want to say or dare believe what you want to believe, you're going to be targeted. Specifically, I believe that Christians, men, white people, people that speak English, I think that folks that have traditional American values are going to be the ones that are hunted, are going to be the ones that are targeted. Now, I am optimistic because I know that Christ is king and on the throne. And so I see this phase that we're in, this government turning its guns on the people, as unsustainable. It can't keep happening. America either collapses and becomes the police state that people look at China or fear other uh, dictatorial nations. I don't believe that'll happen. And I don't believe it'll happen because God is good and God blesses and keeps his remnant. And I believe that there are faithful people in America that follow Jesus. I don't think that they have the biggest platforms. Why would they? Why would the people who honestly and with integrity follow Jesus, have the biggest platforms. Especially whenever our minds are invaded and bombarded with anti-Christian ideas. The world doesn't love Jesus. And so it follows that the people who follow Jesus and who are disciplined and, and are in the word and love each other and preach the gospel, they're not going to be the ones getting an airtime. The ones getting airtime are going to be the ones that are... Um, you know, part of something that isn't looking to Jesus. And this is where I believe that God is using President Trump. I believe that he has used President Trump, is currently using President Trump, and I have no doubt that he will use President Trump. Now, to be clear, my bias is I'm a Trump guy. I'm going to support him. I'm going to back him. I'm going to vote for him. I'm going to do whatever it is that I, you know, that he needs me to do that I can do to help him get president. Now, where I have matured, I believe, and where I have grown up in the last few years is recognizing that politics is not the domain where the power is. It's just where the attention is. And those two things are not the same. From a worldly side, you would think that if you're focusing on it, that's influence. This is the Scott Adams approach, the Dilbert comic who's a trained hypnotist who was able to say before most people that Trump was going to win in 2016, his analysis was based on Trump being an influential person, a master influencer, he called him. And his thesis was that if you got people's attention, that is where the power is. And for the longest time, I took that analysis and I said, well, his acumen as a hypnotist and the fact that he got Trump's prediction right in 2016, well, shoot, there must be some truth to what he said. But then whenever you look at the Bible, particularly here in Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord. Well, if I'm waiting on God, what am I doing while I'm waiting on God? There's probably other stuff I'm looking at. And I think that's where we are. The people who are waiting on God are seeing the crumbling of all sorts of other things. Two-tier justice, 
a government that's adversarial to its people, a duplicitous, uh, poli duplicitous politicians, deceitful media. None of these things make sense. I'll briefly touch on the Republican debate right, debate right now from last night, the vice presidential debate. There were several candidates, Mike Pence was one of them, who kept saying, it's morning in America and things are looking up. Things ain't looking up. We're dying. We got cancer. Like, we need to do, uh, you know, invasive surgery to get out the stuff that's evil and corrupt. As Jared Longshore, a brother in Christ, would say, the rot always rots. It always rots. And if you let it fester and you let it stay there, you can't say, well, you know, it's a, you know, let you do you and me do me because we can't legislate morality, which is the stupidest idea ever. The predicate of legislation is the consequence of a moral decision. Otherwise, you would never even talk about a subject matter because you wouldn't acknowledge it as something that needed a decision on. And if it doesn't need a decision on, then it's amoral. But because you're talking about it, therefore, is the presence of a moral in, uh, moral idea. But our mugshot politics are now where the people who are doing something against the regime are going to be attacked. Today, there are Lord, you know, people are saying that Trump will turn himself in later today. This is outside the Fulton County Courthouse. I'll just let you watch what is already going on right now. It's gonna it's gonna grow it's gonna get bigger there's gonna be more people these are flag waving freedom loving America loving people these are Trump people these are basic people these are blue-collar humble working people folks that just want what used to be and this is where I got to thread a needle because on one hand I see what Trump has done and the contrast is stark but I also see what he hasn't done and what he hasn't done is what you can do in your life right now. And that, that's where I want to come in. I want to come in and say, Trump did really well, did a very good job, I believe by God's grace, to point out the controversy between the government and the corruption and allowing people to see it. Amen. God bless him. I believe that that's a, an incredible task, and I think that he's still doing it. I mean, he, Trump, I mean, just... Pray for Trump and the individual position Trump is in. He is being targeted and the member of his team. He is being targeted right now. And so now he is in the position where he has to take the slings and the arrows. He's not really able to punch back because he's been court ordered to stay silent. He doesn't really have a position of office or power. So he can't actually punch back and uh, direct inquiries or anything like that. And so I look at this and it, it begs the question, why aren't other people doing it? There was one state senator in Georgia that said that we need to look into the we need to look into this issue. And I tweeted him back. I said, "Listen, bro, you've got the Mason's Manual Legislative Procedure. You are a legislator. You can write subject matter on impaneling grand juries. Why don't you have an why don't you call for an inquiry and get Fannie Willis, the district attorney, under oath and get her on the record for what her method was and who she was talking to when she de determined to go after Trump and all these other people. Because if she's Fulton County District Attorney, she's got about other stuff going on. Why would she be so specifically interested in Trump? There's some motivation there. There's some interest there. There's an agenda there. Why don't you, legislator, look into it? Launch an inquiry. You can subpoena. You can get them under oath. And this is where the difference is. And maybe I'm not going to thread this the right way. I hope I do. We have been trained to observe. We have been trained to just watch the champions in the arena just continue to do the same thing. And whenever you've got a champion that I believe is doing good things that God is using, many people are sitting there still waiting on the champion to kill the enemy. So we're like, yeah, we won. That is not what is going on right now. I believe that God is systematically destroying things. He's destroying perceptions in most cases because this idol that we have is in our head. The way that we think about the world is being restructured. 
the titans, the idols, the uh, gargantuan edifice that holds up our perceptions, our ways of thinking, our traditions, our concepts, those things are being destroyed. And as they're being destroyed, I argue, I point to the Bible. I try to get people to Jesus. I try to get people to say, this is what the Bible says. Now, this is going to be a big uh, blow to people because there's going to be some people that for so long have been trained to do absolutely nothing, to rely on other people, to wait for the Calvary. And this is where I want to, I, I want to speak specifically to my Christians. We're not here to wait, man. We're not here to just sit back. We are on offense. As I said yesterday in uh, on my telegram station, um, defense is insufficient. We are on the offense. We are to attack. We are to invade. We are to conquer. And I don't mean in a worldly sense with guns and physically shooting people and doing violence over them. I'm saying by God's grace, advancing his wisdom, proclaiming the word of God, calling people to repentance, to stop looking at government as though it's the God and burying your face in the ground when it says, take a jab, wear a mask, you can't go to work, you got to shut this down. We're going to have perverts with kids in public schools. Like when your government does things that are evil or anybody does things that are evil, you stand and you proclaim the truth. I believe that more and more people are doing this for sure. But I think that that's where the phase is. The phase is the mugshot politics are now we need to get the people persecuted. There will be persecution. And as the persecution happens, it will become a badge of honor. These mugshots, they will be fundraising tools. They will win people over because the people will see the two-tier justice system and they will hate it. People hate corruption. People hate crime. There's going to be people that hate Trump. There's going to be people that hate America. There's going to be people that hate Jesus. There's going to be people that hate things for whatever reason. But many people, when they see injustice, they go, ah, I don't, I don't like, I don't like what he says, but that's wrong. Like Jen Ellis, I think she's a never Trumper, even though she represented him. I think she turned her back on him. She's been fundraising for her legal defense, which I also can't understand. Why Criminal prosecutions require two, two witnesses. Show me where it only requires one. But this attorney is raising money for a legal defense. That just blows my mind. Just say, hey, where's my two witnesses? <laughs> where's my two sworn witnesses under oath? Let me ask them questions. Let me subpoena and depose them so I can ask them questions. Did you guys see what was going on? Do you have intelligence about what was happening? Anyway. The mugshot politics will increase the persecution. And as the persecution happens, you will start to see a new mind. The new mind will start to see that the people oppressed by evil are who you want to follow. The people who are being beaten down, jailed, destroyed by the government, you will want to help them. You will want to be like them. You will want to do as they do because what they do is right. And you will recognize that you can sell your soul and do wrong and not be persecuted for the time being until they come around and they force you to take your eight millionth jab and they force you to have some pervert twerking in front of your kid or they take your kid away and they say that the society has to raise him. Like, you can continue to do those things. There's a poem from World War II that says, First they came. Systematic approach of, you know, the government coming for people who was not the author, who was not the poet. And as the government took the, the shoe worker, as the government took the socialist, as the government took the, you know, the communist, as the government took whoever else was not them. And then finally the government came for them. And there was no one left because he remained silent. That's what that's what's going on right now. And my prayer is that Trump is a forcing mechanism. He's a lever. I believe God is using Trump as a lever to move people from uh, complacent and complicit with idolatry and government to a decisive, contrast, unequivocal, irrevocable stand for truth. Trump is not that truth. It's Jesus. It is the gospel. It is what the Bible says. But God is absolutely using Trump as the lever to make that happen. So now the question is, what do you do as a response to it? There are responses to Trump's persecution. I will give you a language warning. 
this is a video I took today or I, I you know uh, collected up today remember language warning so you got kids get them out uh, but this is uh, your language warning this is what's happening as more and more people see the persecution of Trump they're going to have I believe responses like this I'm here to support President Trump you want to know why I'm here to support President Trump because they done did black men like this for decades make up charges and put on so I know Trump is innocent I support Trump against this corrupt two-tiered justice system that's why I'm here to show my support as a black man for Trump. And I'm wearing my shirt, niggas for Trump 2024, and I mean that. What do you think about the indictments? Oh, it's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> it's going around the country. You know, Fanny, Fanny Willis, she's a, uh, she went to school with my sister. She's full of shit. She was full of shit then. So she's a puppet for the white liberal that is controlling everything. She's in front, but the white liberal back there pulling those strings, telling her what to do. That's what I think about her, making a fool of herself. Do you think it's going to help his election? Of course it is. It's going to elevate him all the way. I think we should make Trump king. That's how I feel. We should make him king. Wouldn't that be like kind of like communistic? No, that's no way near communist. Now we're just going to make him king, but we still got our freedoms and rights and everything. He for that. Yeah, Trump for King 2024. That's actually my URL. I own that URL. You own that URL? I can't get your name. Really? Oh, my name is Niggas for Trump 2024. Okay. Uh, I can't Gilson, a former, That's my nigga. Former candidate. I'm a former candidate for New York State Governor. Derek Gibson, look me up. Nigga, I'm there. I live up to it, too. Boy. I can scrap, too, but I can get down. Boy. <laughs> Not better. I can't. I got a proven track record. You want to try me out? Try to take this shirt off. I'll give you some. Need everybody off the roadway. Sir, I need everybody off the Take care of yourself, bro. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I mean, there you go. Like, that's that's not normal. That's not normal. For years, people have done the racial division, the skin the skin color division, and this mugshot politics is changing that. Absolutely changing that. I believe that there's probably millions of people like that who see the two two tiers, who recognize the past injustice, and now there is a. Um, there's a there's a there's a better recognition of what's going on. Now I will say from last night's vice presidential debate, Vivek Wamaswamy Ramas, I, I, it's not that I'm disrespectful. It's just that that's not a name that I'm ever used to hearing. Ramaswamy, Vivek Ramaswamy, um, he had the best. Uh, you know, there's people that are like, here's the best moment, and here's the. I think that's stupid. I think that's stupid because then it becomes this is what encourages the pugilism. This is what encourages the the tit for tat, the clapback. This is what the consultant class lives for. The consultant class will war game and they'll coach and they'll try to mentor. Okay, whenever you do this, say, well, the the here's a factoid. <laughs> here's a factoid. So these moments, this this moment analysis of a debate. It's not a debate at that point. It's a clapback insult fest, which is just dumb. It's just dumb. These dudes are trying to run for president. And Nikki Haley. These guys are trying to run for president. It's just stupid. Anyway, this is Vivek. I think he. I think this was the best moment of the entire night. You raise your hand, supporting. No, I'd like to okay. get in and respond. Let's just speak the truth, okay? President Trump, I believe, was the best president of the 21st century. It's a fact. And Chris Christie. Honest to God, your claim that Donald Trump is motivated by vengeance and grievance would be a lot more credible if your entire campaign were not based on vengeance and grievance against one man. And if people at home want to see a bunch of people blindly bashing Donald Trump without an iota of vision for this country, they could just change the channel to MSNBC right now. But I'm not running for president of MSNBC. I am running for president of the United States. We're skating on thin ice and we cannot set a precedent where the party in power uses police force to indict its political opponents. It is wrong. We have to end the weaponization of justice in this country. Yeah, I completely agree. Now with that, uh, my wife went to school with Vivek, so I, <laughs> I've got firsthand, I've got, I've heard her firsthand uh, comments about how he was in class. She had him in biology. She had him a couple other times. So it's it's interesting to hear her say about who he was and how he was and how he carried himself. 
he's been he's been wanting to go for president for a long time. Let's just put it that way. Um, but this, I mean, this is true. This is true. This is absolutely true. Trump is being persecuted. Trump is being uh, attacked. All of these things are happening. And then you have everybody up there, except for Vivek, who is just anti-Trump, just completely anti-Trump. And this is because, I believe, that the, the, the wagons have been circled. That the, the two parties have revealed themselves to be of the same spirit, same mind. And that is to hate the country, to control people, to get them to, uh, you know, hate and attack each other based on stupid things. And then based on all these divisions, they're able to, you know, tinker and do stuff while no one's looking. Which I think, now go with that. If these godless commies are using the two-party system to keep us, you know, fighting each other and racial division and all these other things that are stupid. If this is going on. And that allows them to do other stuff. What do you think God's doing? If God is then able to get every... If, if people's attention have been so focused on the power structures. If they've been so focused on government and fear and all of these other things. Or right now, if there's so much focus on the conspiracy stuff. If there's so much focus on the elite. If there's so much focus on these other things. If, if the godless commies can do that, why couldn't God also use our attention over here to do stuff over here? I believe, I, I believe that's what he's doing. I believe God used Trump to do what he did to change things. And now people are so focused on this that folks aren't even recognizing the opportunities that God is giving you right now to live local, to build out a team. I'm going to speak, I'm going to start speaking about that a lot more. I'm going to start doing more deliberate content on what you can do locally with your people. And what you need to do is to go recruit people. This is, this goes back to Live Local Field Manual 1.0. Live Local Field Manual 1.0 was all about consolidating, organizing, localizing, becoming resilient. So now we're I'm I'm going to I'm going to start doing that. But that's where I think the things are. And so the mugshot politics will continue to teach the story and tell the story that things aren't good. And now the opportunity is for those people that are willing to look at other things, to go to other things, to have a mind, to learn, to do other stuff that they previously haven't done or they're uncertain of. In other words, walk by faith because the rest of the world is being destroyed. All these idols are crumbling. All these power structures are crumbling. All the traditional ways of thinking are going gone. The career polished politicians, they all look phony and fake. I don't care about whatever they say. It's all stupid. It's all dumb. And so now that I'm like, well, I used to think about politics all the time. Wow, I'm sorry, God. I repent. What do you want me to focus on? Oh, here's some injustice. And by the way, here's the basic fundamental principles of law that aren't arguable, that are written plainly. Why don't you learn this and then go love other people to give them like we did yesterday's stream. Two, two and a half hours of here's how you to know the public law of, to know the, the history of law in public health and finish with the notice that you can give their employer that they don't have to wear a mask at their job. That's what we did yesterday. That's what I that's 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 what I want to do. And by the way, if I can selfishly say, there's ways to support. The links are in the description. I got a lot of people going to the patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, take your money and your shopping that you're already doing and switching it over. Myself or someone with me will call and we will say, Hey, here is the the private association. Here's a direct purchase membership. You can cancel anytime, no no hassle, but this is American manufacturing. Don't get caught going to the big box stores only for them to say, well, you got to have five jabs. You got to have a chip in your hand or you got to have this or all this kind of stuff. Why don't you just go to American Manufacturing, patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. There's also the opportunity and that's a direct, uh, that's a direct, I should say, where's this at? That's a direct gift to me. You could do it recurring for any amount. You could do it one time. You could do whatever. Those links are in the description below. But I want to, I want to use this knowledge and start helping people. Now, there was one stupid guy. He said this. Watch this. Just for the record, Donald Trump's counter-programming is horrible. I don't think anybody's going to be watching Tucker Carlson on, on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. And I don't think anybody's going to be responsive 
to his quote unquote counter program. Yeah, that uh, that dude just that you he's just dumb. He's dumb because this morning, right before this live stream, I looked on Tucker Carlson's thing and look at that. Tucker Carlson, episode nineteen, debate night with Donald Trump. Two hundred point five million people. Two hundred people have watched what they saw with uh, Donald Trump, which is more than the highest-rated Super Bowl. The highest-rated Super Bowl was the 2015 Super Bowl between the Patriots and the Seahawks. It had 114 million people. 114 million people watched the 2015 Super Bowl. And just because I was curious, I looked up the most watched sports events. According to RoadTrips.com, the most watched sporting events was the Tour de France. 3.5 billion. So, uh, Trump's got a ways to go. <laughs> Trump's got a ways to go, which we should also put that into perspective. That should also put that in perspective. It should show you just how big the world is. It should show you just how many people are here. So if you think that your world is crashing, and it indeed may because idols are falling all the time, Trump got 200 million, and the soup, the the Tour de France got 3.5 billion. That, that's dwarfed. Which tells me that Americans are focused on America, and the rest of the world is not. The rest of the world ain't watching Tucker Carlson with Donald Trump. It's not a world phenomena. It's an America phenomena. Which means, and this is my point, it means that God can have a plan for America, and God can have a plan for Italy, or Germany, or France, or all over the world. And that he can be doing all sorts of stuff. So if you've put in your mind that your whole world is America and America needs Trump to do the stuff, you need to get a higher view of God. You need to get a higher view of God. Trump is someone who God has used. God can do whatever he wants. He holds the king's heart in his hand. He raises nations, destroys nations. So I, I, mean, I said something today, like I, I thought the Tucker-Trump thing, I thought it was boring. I thought it was boring because he's speaking in circles. He evaded on the Epstein saying, like, yeah, you know, I, I think he killed himself. Well, and then there's going to be people that will say, well, Jared, he can't say the truth. Well, understand that. So one, I understand that meaning. But two, if you say that your bias for Trump is so much that any criticism of Trump has to be responded to in a way that you're defending him, which I'm for defending Trump when we need to defend him. I'm not for defending Trump when we don't need to defend him. And tell him, you know, saying that the, the interview was boring, even though it's been watched 200 million times, one, I could be wrong, but two, it's it's just an opinion. It's not an attack on him. It's, I'm not saying I don't like him because of, I, you know what, after years of supporting Donald Trump, I don't support him anymore because his Tucker Carlson interview was boring. Come on. Come on. And then people will say, well, you know, he actually said this, which means this. And I, I, I can't give myself to that thinking. I can't do that. The Bible says to prove all things, hold fast that which is good. I can't give myself to thinking that people are speaking in codes that mean what is not plain. It could mean, and I get that, I get the Q posts, I get the alternative meanings, I understand the double entons, completely understand it. But I can't give myself to that thinking because now what I'm doing is I'm giving my knowledge based on my interpretation that is using a lens that is hyper biased to say that things that he says isn't what he said, but he really means what he didn't actually say because what he means is what I interpret all these posts and things to say. I can't do that. I can't do that. I understand it. I understand the people who do. I cannot. I cannot because the Bible says to prove all things, hold fast that which is good. And I would much rather give my time, my energy, my attention to interpreting what the Bible says and reading what Jesus says and how that incorporates with you versus, um, you know, he said this and this meant that and this is just, I, I get that. I ain't dumb. I see it. It's just that I'm not giving my knowledge to that paradigm. I'm not giving my knowledge when the Bible says to prove all things. I'm not giving my knowledge to a predicate that I can't prove. I can say it's got a high probability, and I believe it does, but I can't give my knowledge to that, and I, I'm just not going to. So that's uh, that's where our mugshot politics are. We have a system, a scheme, a situation where people are going to be persecuted. I believe that it will be uh, seen as a badge of honor. But I also think it's an opportunity for you 
to see how God is using Trump as a lever, what could he do with you on all those things that you're doing, on all the areas that you're in? And if Trump's 200 million views were 200 million and the Tour de France is 3.5 billion, that tells you that Trump is not the main thing going on in the world. In that regard, and this is not a slight on Trump, Trump's not bigger than the Tour de France. Which should put things into perspective. Another thing that's not getting enough attention, and that needs to be put into perspective, in my opinion, is the response from FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Administration, in Hawaii. Watch this. This is Jetty Water, uh, Jesse Waters' commentary follows. Federal Emergency Management Agency, the team that's supposed to be digging through the ashes and delivering aid, has turned the tragedy into a junket. FEMA booked themselves in the five-star luxury Hawaiian resorts. They're shacking up at the Maui Four Seasons, beachfront, of course. Rooms there are $1,000 a night. It's not just the Four Seasons. FEMA agents are also posting up at the Fairmont, Kehlani, and Maui, where rooms range there from $1,300 to $4,500 a night. FEMA agents are also crashing at the Grand Walia Astoria, five stars, of course. Are these the hotels Biden's FEMA officials should be staying in, gallivanting around in and drinking in, as search and rescue operations are underway with 500 kids still missing? Now, FEMA has confirmed that they're staying at these hotels. Biden's giving Maui fire victims $700, while his FEMA officials sleep at luxury resorts that cost more than that per night. FEMA officials could stay at the Days Inn, where you could get an oceanfront view for 250 bucks a night. We confirmed it. Rooms are still available there. Now, when did FEMA develop this taste for the finer things in life? Because FEMA's administrator, Deanne Criswell, is complaining that they don't have enough money. We're watching our disaster relief fund very closely. Um, our estimates do still stay that we may um, have a depletion of our fund now. I mean, this is a day-by-day -day monitoring of the situation. Uh, we will start to move some of our recovery projects and delay them until the next fiscal year. Whoa, FEMA has a $25 billion budget. Please make it make sense. Yeah, the, uh, the idea, corrupt government again. Now, what I want to do is, I, I didn't do it today, we'll, we'll look into it, but I want to design, I want, I want to help, I want to, I want to do uh, a thought process on what it would be like if you found yourself in an emergency area and the government was failing you. If you found yourself in an emergency and the government was, was not able to perform, I believe that something nefarious went on in Hawaii. I can't prove it, again, but just things don't make sense. The color blue is just standing out too much. So whatever happened in Hawaii happened, and I can speculate to that, whether it's a direct energy weapon that's specifically targeted to the spectrum of blue or not, I don't know, I have no idea. But what I can do is I can say, you know, if this were me, and my house weren't burnt and I wasn't charred to a crisp because the police were blocking me from getting out of the street in my car. How would I do this? And this was this has really convicted me in the sense that I want to get back to what I have been doing, which is encouraging people to localize their efforts, building their teams, and then what we can do is we'll build out a basic package of notices and affidavits where we are telling what the government telling the, the the government what the law is and this is where i want to address the skeptics because the skeptics right here who just heard what i said will say okay well your stupid pieces of paper don't do anything first we are a nation of laws we're not just a nation of guns doing whatever we want never have been second when you tell your government what the law is you're clarifying your presumption I don't know if people understand that the government presumes everything that it does is lawful. We showed this yesterday with non-positive law, positive law. Everything the government does, the government will presume that it's doing it lawfully. And because the government does that just by nature, until the people know what the law is and tell the government what the law is and clarify the presumption, the government is deemed to be lawful in its conduct. And so if you find yourself in an emergency situation and you haven't clarified the presumption of law, some person, National Guard, 
security guard, you know, whoever. Somebody with a gun is going to say, you can't do this. At which point, they are speaking as though they have the authority. And you're going to be like, well, they've got the guns. Of course they've got the authority. Well, do you think that you don't also have guns? Can you not also carry your firearms? And this is really where the militia comes in. Because the militia, I argue, is not to overthrow the government. The militia is to provide for the local defense of the people. And if the government can't and isn't providing for the local defense of the people, then the militia is absolutely just and necessary. And so if you haven't understood the laws that are at work, then you won't see yourself participating in a militia as a lawful, necessary, just, and constitutional effort. Instead, you will probably, like most people, they'll see the guys that do the militias and they're like, those guys just want to fight. Those guys just want to fight the government. Those guys just want to fight because they see the, the they see the oppression of the government. They see the tyranny of the government. They see the government doing stuff, which is evil. And these guys are all getting their kits and they're all trying to train and be stuff. And it's like, I think if folks that were in militias right now did a better job of saying the law, which is, listen, we're going to do local defense and we have this by right and you can't stop us. Well, then now you're presenting it as a lawful endeavor instead of a, we don't trust the government, we're going to fight, which I completely agree, and I'm right there with you. But it's also one of those things where the people need to make the righteous argument, and the righteous argument will be a lawful argument. And if you make the righteous lawful argument, then any presentation of militia in that situation, you will be just. It won't be whimsical. And this is, this is the difference between someone saying, I got my rights and you can't do that, which is, is correct. But because we move according to the law, what's that argument in the law? Well, I've got my right to liberty and you can't arbitrarily compel me to do something I don't want to. Amen. That is, uh, that is an argument in the law because you're expressing what your rights are and how they're being violated. That's a law argument. And I don't believe that um, we are too far gone that someone who's on the ground, National Guard, military, police, whatever, if they say, you guys got to get out of here, and you and, and you know the law in response, uh, sir, you are, like here in Oklahoma, Title 19 is for counties, and they govern the sheriff. Uh, sir, you're a deputy sworn to the Oklahoma Constitution. You get your powers from Title 19. The Oklahoma Constitution guarantees me my right to liberty. So uh, you have to show a public interest. You have to show a state interest that's greater than my secured right. Show me the warrant. Show me the order that says that you can compel me to do this. Well, I'm telling you to go. Well, and, and this is where mugshot politics, you got to be willing to die for this stuff. You got to be willing to go to jail for this stuff. You have to be willing to put your life on the line whenever you say these things because that's what's required. Maybe not, but that's what's required for the truth to be presented in a way that it will punch. If the cop comes up or the whoever comes up and they're doing it unlawfully, like this FEMA, these FEMA people in, in Hawaii are being corrupt. If they come up and say this stuff and you go, but I got my rights and they're like, I don't care. Well, now you're not putting your life down. There's not a fanaticism that's requisite there. And, and this, is, this is the disconnect. Because you've got people that certainly want to gun up. You've got people that certainly want to... But they're not, they're not saying what the law is, generally speaking. Some of them will get all constitutional on you. They'll get all constitutional and say, I got my Second Amendment right. Sure. But the state has a public interest. And the state was granted powers as well. And so how do we mesh? How do we balance? What do we see as the, as the correct law position between your right to militia, your right to bear arms, and the state's interest for you know, stabilizing a locality? Ideally, the militia is the one that is running the emergency response and not some foreign inter, you know, national state level response. It's the locality is doing it. Ideally, that's what you're doing. Ideally, the militia is the one doing the local response. And when the feds come in, the local response goes, uh-uh, we're in charge. Get out. That's the way it should be. That's the way that I want to go. That's what I'm trying to put us on a track of. All right, you know, we will, uh, Lord willing, put a track on. 
But this is this is where it's at in my mind is that we have so because we have a bad understanding of the law, we get a bad application, and so you find yourself if you find yourself in a FEMA situation in Hawaii, because of the average American doesn't have the understanding of what the law is and hasn't done the groundwork of live local to get their teams to organize to do those things then they find themselves completely at the whim of the government who turns out to be a bunch of freaking corrupt jerks. And so now it's like you're, you're Oliver twisting all of a sudden. You're like, please, sir, can we do some stuff? Or you're going to find yourself as a, robo, a Rambo renegade. You're going to find yourself gunning up with the entire state against you. Wouldn't you rather just do the work on the front side? Organize, localize, uh, clarify the presumption of law? That way, if anything happens, you're already ready to rock. And you can lawfully say, no, 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 we have jurisdiction, get out of here. Why does FEMA, why does FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Administration, why does the Federal Emergency Management Administration have jurisdiction over a Hawaiian municipality? They're operating on some authority. They're operating on some presumption of law that should absolutely be clarified, it should absolutely be pushed back on, and it should absolutely be localized. I think that's a great idea. So we'll look into it. I saw this meme the other day, it's a conspiracy meme. It says, uh, so you got Predator and a baby alien, and they're swinging. They say, hey, are we up next? And he's like, no, they're gonna try the COVID thing again. <laughs> Second COVID is coming. COVID number two is coming. Uh, which was interesting because then I saw Bend It Like Beckham do a video with Bill Gates regarding malaria in Africa. Watch this. how he's got his uh he's got uh, bill gates had his uh un unicef pen the circular thing that guy's he's a globalist he's a godless commie he needs the gospel uh we all do but he definitely needs the gospel um trying to save millions of lives this heart tugging emotion laden presentation with celebrity with the little cutesy oh look our hands are soccer players and we're playing soccer on a little uh, they called the field a pitch come on that's that's why we beat the we beat the british because they call a soccer field uh they call it football and they call it a pitch a football pitch it ain't a football pitch it's a soccer field anyway <laughs> we beat y'all this presentation masquerades at the trojan horse for you know gene editing experimentation uh, genocide there's all sorts of bad things trafficking that's going on in africa have been going on for the longest time i just the last couple of years has made me completely skeptical and cynical of bill gates obviously um and so now he's 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 bringing in he's expanding his orb uh he's expanding his orbit bringing people in so they can start talking about stuff um I don't know about you, but the first time that I saw that, I was just like, yeah, I'm going to stay out of Africa and I'm going to take none of that malaria stuff. They've got, there, there, there are cures. There are treatments for malaria. There's treatments. What's it? Quinine, um, uh, amoxicillin. Um, um, what is it? I took it in Afghanistan. Oh, what's it? Was it amoxicillin? I think I took amoxicillin in, in Afghanistan. It's a little pill. You just take the little pill every day. It's not a big deal. Um, cheap, mass-produced, little pill. I didn't get no malaria. But no, we got we got to take these vaccines. The thing that, uh, what's his face? Bill Gates said that he made a lot of money off of. Hmm, sure. Here's where I want to speak to the men. Women, you can listen. Men, build your nation. 
I believe that whenever God made man and women in the garden, and he said, be fruitful and multiply, I think he's speaking about, you know, having kids, building a, building a bloodline. That bloodline is a nation. I wrote in my book, Christian Nationalism is Inevitable, and that's good news, that a nation is a people in a place with a purpose. And because Christ is king and he rose from the grave, he wants all nations to obey him, which is why he told his church to go make them. Go teach them to obey all my commands. That was Christ's mission to the church. That is our mission right now. And as we accomplish that mission, there's certain times when you should speak to things that are more relevant than others. I don't need to talk to you about what to, um, you know, uh, I, I don't need to talk to you about the, you know, how your house should be designed. Feng Shui. I don't need to talk to you about, uh, you know, what to wear to church. I'm not interested in that. What I do need to talk to you about is men, you are given your strength to glorify God. Your strength is to build a nation, to build a home, to build a bloodline, a family that will last for generations. Serve your family, love your wife as Christ loved the church, provide, protect, defend, but also innovate. This means tear down the structures of our society that are in your way. Bad government, bad relationships, bad circumstances, bad ways of thinking. Read the Bible and let the Holy Spirit tell you what to believe instead of some pastor who's too afraid to say that abortion's murder. How about you go out and you find people to go love as Christ would love the people on the wayside of the street, the homeless, the poor, the destitute, start a prison ministry where people might say the F word and go bring the light of Christ to the deepest, darkest corners of the realm and invade and conquer like a boss. You do this with a mind's eye for the generations that God will bless because he's going to last that long. I'm not going to last that long. I'm not going to last generations. Lord willing, my kids, grandkids, other thing else will. I bring this up because Ulysses S. Grant, heavy drinker, former president, Civil War general, has a great-grandson. This great-grandson writes gay vampire fiction. This is Ulysses S. Grant's great-grandson. That's what he's doing. Now, I'm not doing this to impugn Ulysses S. Grant, but I am suggesting that if you have a mind's eye for what the generations after you will be doing... One, you will likely be doing great things in this earth, on this earth, whether people know about it or not, doesn't matter. In God's calculus, you'll be doing great things because you're being fruitful and multiplying. You're going to be training traditions. You're going to be instilling values. You're going to be letting your children see you talk about Jesus, read the Bible, be focused on God's glory. And by doing that, you're inculcating them. You're training them. You're getting them ready for war as you're showing them what your daily war looks like. As you do this, you will find fights. You will find opportunities to crush it for the kingdom. This may be you lose you get your reputation destroyed. You might lose businesses and have to go work with your hands. You may have to unlearn things that you have held deeply in your philosophy, in your mind for decades. You may have to let them go to God's glory. You may have to give up the fact that Christ is telling you, you are wrong. All right, Christ, I'm wrong. What do you want me to do? Your Bible says, your Bible says, uh, that your kingdom is here. Matthew 12, 28. If I cast out this demon by the spirit of the Lord, the kingdom of heaven has come upon you. But I've heard it taught that your kingdom doesn't come until after the church is wrapped. And then there's seven years. And then I've been taught that your kingdom isn't here yet. But you said your kingdom was here. That So did your kingdom leave? And then, so there's times when your brain is going to collide with scripture. And men need to have the courage to say, okay, the Bible's true and I'm a liar. Romans 3 verse 4. Ulysses S. Grant has his great-grandson writing gay vampire fiction. I pray my great-grandson will be writing books about the Bible. We'll be doing common law remedy. We'll learn a trade. We'll be out on rural land, living local, uh, you know, uh, doing subsistence farming, not because he has to, because he understands the glory it gives God. 
being closer to the production of your food, I believe, makes you more humble. It, may, it literally puts you more in the dirt, and that's where we come from. Hume and, and Hume is the root for humility and for human. It's the same root word, dirt. You come from the dirt. You get your food from the dirt, and that's where you're going to go. There's a lot of powerful ideas going around. I think that Christians, specifically Christian men, need to have a mind for warfare. We need to have a mind that says that, the, that Christ is king, he's on his throne, and he's given the battle commands. He's given the war strategy, and that is to go be slaughtered like lambs by preaching the gospel. The way that that looks, I believe, is by being fruitful and multiplying, reading, meditating on scripture, letting your yes be yes and your no be no, never equivocating and not taking crap from people, especially some smarmy coward who's going to gallivant with a glitz gloss perfect uh, presentation of the way that he looks, and he's going to equivocate on simple ideas like gender or sex. He's not gonna. He, he's gonna pull his punches, but you shouldn't make them land strong, hard, and true. Every opportunity that you have to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ in love through His grace, whether that is firm and stern, or if it's empathetic and understanding, have a heart for forgiveness, but a mind for destroying for destroying evil. I think this is where we need to be. I think this is where men need to be. The call needs to be for Christian men to believe the gospel, to preach the gospel. Of course, the gospel is for everybody. If there's women that's listening, this is not to extra, you know, get you out of the way. This is not an anti-woman thing. In fact, if you think that, you're probably stupid. This is a call for men to step into the role that God gave them. I think the world is screaming out for it. The world is crying out for Christ. And I believe in America, for a long time, men haven't walked that walk. We've put our war fighting, we've given our duty for war fighting to other people, which is why we now look for gladiators in the arena. I don't want to look for gladiators in the arena. I want to do my work, love God, provide for my family, and whenever the fight comes, I'll grab the stones, sling it at them, and if I miss, I'll chop, them, chop their heads off with a sword. I'll kill the lion when he comes to my field to attack my sheep. I'll kill the bear whenever he uh, comes upon me as my, my, my flock is grazing or my, um, you know, my, my produce is being harvested. We'll work, we'll work. Enemy comes, destroy the enemy, get back to work. Amen. But uh, guys, none of this matters if you don't believe the gospel. If you hear my call for war and there's a, yeah, let's do this thing. Amen. God bless. That means you're a dude. This is what God put in you. Amen. But if you don't believe the gospel, it's worthless. If you don't know who Jesus is, if you don't trust that his shed blood washes away your sins, that he was buried and three days later he physically rose from the grave, you're going to go to hell. And you can fight like you know Rambo. You can fight like Julius Caesar. You can be the most you know prolific war captain of the, of the age. But if you don't believe the gospel, you're going to go to hell. Ulysses S. Grant, I don't know where he's at. I know his faith. I didn't look it up. I want him to be a Christian, it'd be cool, because he'd be in heaven. But if Ulysses S. Grant, who did the wilderness campaign, who was president, who, who uh, did a lot of great things in the Civil War, if he didn't believe the gospel, he's in hell. And if his great-grandson is writing gay vampire fiction, that dude's on his way to hell too. Because that's clearly not the fruit of the Spirit. That's clearly not what Christians do. So the call is to believe the gospel. The gospel is, clearly, Jesus died for your sins on the cross. Because you and I are sinners. He took our punishment. He was buried, which proves that he was dead. Our sin died with him. And then he physically rose from the grave. That physical resurrection, not spiritual, but absolutely bodily resurrection, proves that he is king. He is God. He is telling the truth. And when you believe that, it changes everything. Don't just mentally assent to it. Believe that with your heart. Trust it. Trust that with everything that you have. It won't make sense. And that's where, by God's grace, he designed the gospel to prevent people getting to him with their brains. They have to come to him with their heart. You can think about stuff, no doubt. Come let us reason together. But if your heart is not God's, if he doesn't circumcise that heart and change who you are... 
and that comes from believing the gospel, you trusting in Jesus, then who cares? Who cares? Um, believe the gospel, my friends. Friends, you can get air roasted coffee at humblewb.coffee. Humblewb.coffee. Air roasted coffee. I've pitched and I've told told you about the patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. It comes down to this simple idea. The world is corporatized. Corporate oligarchies do what they do. They're now taking their agenda and shoving it down our throats. Patriotswitch.com is an option. It's an alternative. If you can find the stuff live local, go for it. But if you're giving your dollars to the godless comic global corporatists who hate your guts and hate Jesus, then there's an opportunity to switch over to an American manufacturing company. Now, this company does support me in the sense that whenever people switch over, there's a benefit to me. Amen. That's the, that, that's the opportunity that you have to support me and my work and my family. Thank you very much for those of you who have and are considering it. But just on the practical level, American manufacturing that's done vertical manufacturing of its products, you are going to get cost savings. It's going to be cheaper for you. And so if Bidenflation, Bidenomics has pinched your pennies, this is an opportunity to get more bang for your buck on over 450 products that you would otherwise probably already buy in your home, giving your money to a company that hates you, hates your country, and you're going to be paying more for it. Well, Jaron, I've never done this before. Amen. I never joined the army before until I did. I never jumped out of a plane until I did. I never got blown up until I did. I never left the army until I did. I never ran for office until I did. Never had a kid until I did. There's plenty of things I'd never done until I did them. So for people to say, you know, I don't want to do this. I, I mean, God bless. I understand reluctance, but... It's a simple invitation, nothing, no, no harm, no foul. And if you are supporters and you don't want to do this or you have switched over and you want to do more, there's an absolutely opportunity to do that. You can just do directly if you want to. That link is in the uh, description below. That's a blessing to me. It's a blessing to the people uh, that are with me. And I appreciate you very much for people who listen, people who uh, enjoy the content, who consume it, who it edifies, inspires, equips. I don't want to just complain. I don't want to just be someone who says, this is bad and the radical left and all this stuff. I don't want to be that guy. I will do those things because I'm just, you know, I'm a normal person. I complain too. But I'm going to try to look critically and see where can I glorify God? Where can I preach the gospel? Where can I bring it back to the Bible? And then, oh, by the way, um, God gave me intelligence and the ability to think about stuff. And this world sucks and we need to go to war. And how do we need to do that? Okay, this sucks. Yeah, let's go destroy that. This needs to be defeated. Smash. Oh, God put this on my heart because I read the Bible and he opened things up that I'd never heard before. Yeah, let me walk in faith even though I have no idea it's going to work. Yeah, I'll do that. That's that's where we're at. We're all in this fight together. Um, I would want you to be in the fight for Christ. Thank you for helping me out. Appreciate your time, Lord willing. I'll be back tomorrow. No, 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 no. No, I won't. No, I won't. I just see, I just get caught up saying the same thing. I get my own bias. I get my own cycle. Um, we're doing another, um, we're going out to Tennessee. Uh, we had some news out there. So we're going to go to Tennessee and we'll be back on Sunday, Lord willing. Uh, so Monday, Lord willing, is when we'll be back. Until then, I am Jaron Jackson. I do love America. Do not quit. Go to war.